Hello, my friends. I'm Stan the Man, and yes, I want to be your friend. What can I offer you? Fun and lively discussion about the classic Wonder Woman TV show starring the magnificent Linda Carter. But wait, there's more. I discuss these episodes with the best, most beautiful fans in the world, Wonder Woman cosplayers. This month, I am speaking to the effervescent queen of Southeastern Michigan cosplay, AMH Cosplays, and we are discussing the fourth episode of the Wonder Woman series, Beauty on Parade, which debuted October 13th, 1976, and featured some delightful co-stars you may remember. So, let's get right to it. Welcome to Wonder Woman Wednesdays. As saboteurs attack a series of installations, Steve and Diana suspect a traveling beauty pageant might harbor a spy. So Diana goes undercover as a contestant while Steve tracks the culprit. With enemy agents on the loose, there is ugliness afoot. But with Wonder Woman on the case, there is beauty on parade. And and that's what we're going to talk about. Beauty on parade. All right, so I am talking to AMH Cosplay. What does AMH stand for? Or is that a secret? <laughs> no, those are my initials. Oh, okay. And you are you you are based out of Ann Arbor, Michigan, is that right? Um, well, that is the closest town to where we are because uh, we're okay. in the Podunks, 40 miles west of Ann Arbor, in between two of the largest state woods in the state of Michigan. Okay, okay. And um so we're already talking about it, but but tell me, uh, uh, just tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I have been cosplaying actively since 2002. I also cosplayed before that as a teen and as a college student, but, you know, life happened. And, well, after life got settled and my kids were a little older, I was like, you know what? I really enjoyed this hobby. And so I came back to it and here I am. Awesome. Well, I sure appreciate you. Uh, taking the time to do this podcast. Oh, uh, my pleasure. We are talking, as you heard from the intro, about Beauty on Parade. Uh, so let's dive into this fantastic episode. Now, this is, first of all, um, so this is the fourth episode, depending on where you see this listing, uh, either IMDb or in the Blu-ray set, it's either called the fourth episode of the first season or it's the first episode of the uh 76 to 77 season there were three episodes before it the pilot and then two and the pilot was a full year almost before this particular episode and then in the following spring they did two more episodes and those are i guess i always thought of them as episodes but really they were special uh presentations like tv movies almost okay and um so this is the first actual part of a season like we're rolling right into the season and in a way i i can't explain why but you can kind of tell uh in somehow in the tone of the show it it seems a little i don't want to i don't even know what to call it it looks like there's less of a budget (laughs) and i I don't and i i can't explain that because when i think of the first three episodes it seems like they're all over the place. They've got a lot of locations. They travel to Germany. And and yet there's, you know, they're not really in Germany. They're in 
Hollywood. You know, they're they're filming all this stuff in L.A. So I, I maybe it's just a psychological thing, or maybe it's just that the story's about a beauty contest, and it seems a little at on the at the outset little less grand maybe than you know fighting the germans in uh in you know in germany and going fighting undercover. Her counterpart and all that yeah 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 so i'm not sure why and and i'm not saying that to slight the episode there's cool stuff that goes on there are cool stunts but maybe it's just that we're settling into the first season and there's a beauty contest and there's lots of comedy. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's the it's the comedy content, you know, with Dick Van Patten's character. All right. Right. Kind of, you know, bringing up the kitsch factor and the, the goofiness. I don't know. But that's just a weird observation that I can't quite fully uh, form yet. Uh, maybe someday I'll have the hindsight to to figure it out. You know, maybe it's because they had the pilot and then they had the specials and now they've got the show. So, you know, it's kind of like the beautiful bride. Okay, now she can dress as a slob because she got her 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 man. So maybe yeah. they got the audience. So let's tone it down a little. Yeah, Oops. yeah. Let's let's pace ourselves. It's gonna be a long season. <laughs> <laughs> so so um the first scene is a secure area somewhere. I don't recall where I didn't write it down. Fort but- Russell. Fort Russell, that's right. Uh, thank you. There, there's a truck pulling into some cave entrance, and uh, somebody sneaks up and and puts a bomb on the truck, and so the truck pulls into the cave and explodes. And in the next scene, uh, we're at uh, the um, the War Department with uh, Steve and General Blankenship, and Diane is there, and they're talking about this explosion and. Steve makes a point of saying, luckily, nobody was killed. And yet, if you watch the, you know, the setup for the explosion, how did the guys in the truck escape? All right, I, especially if they're in the back. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know about that. I think he's just appeasing the TV audience, you know, like, let's just make sure they know that nobody died. Uh, so anyway, they talk about, you know, this is uh, yet another in- instance of sabotage. And and they think the target uh, is this. Um, what did they call it? Like a radar assembly? I don't know, radar sonar. Yeah, radar something. scanner. Something like that. <laughs> yes, and and they call it like there's an assembly chain. Like like there's different locations that this thing is being put together, or different places where different parts of it are coming from. Somehow, there all these different locations are being attacked, and. You know, so they have to there's there's like one one place left. And so they have to go and and make sure that everything's cool there. Right. And that's Fort Russell. Is that that was Fort Russell? Yes. 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 So they go talk to Colonel Flint, uh, this, you know, sort of straight laced fellow. And he's like, yes, everything is locked down tight. (laughs) There's not a single person on this base that that doesn't need to be here for military reasons. And then these two. These two Jeeps come up with all these, you know, women in T-shirts on them and and these soldiers chasing after them and and uh, everyone's giggling. And then Dick Van Patten starts talking and making jokes. And Diana's like, are those military people? What's going on here? I've had all personnel very carefully screened. There's not a person on this base who hasn't been cleared for military purposes. 
Does that include them, Colonel? They don't look very military to me. Yeoman Prince is 100% right. What are they doing at a top security installation? They're boosting morale, Major. The girls are all finalists in the Miss G.I. Dream Girl Beauty Contest. Oh, they're certainly beautiful. Here they are, boys. They're all the little cuties. They're here for you. Now, you can look at them, but don't touch them. Listen, if you guys still think that you're fighting for Mom's apple pie, see the chaplain. He's always, he's always looking for miracles. <laughs> so, oh, he's like, well, that's a beauty contest. And, and, and Steve's like, really? You think that's, why are they... Why is that important militarily? And he's like, for morale. This guy who's like so obsessed with security is like, oh, yeah, we definitely need, need a beauty contest for morale. So Steve's like, okay. Um, and then uh, this uh, uh, Colonel Flint says that, you know, they've been to other bases and this is the final stop. And he names the bases and it's the same places that all this sabotage has taken place. And yeah, Steve. Imagine that. Yeah, what what a wild coincidence. So Steve and Diana look at each other and they're like, you know, that, that mm. sounds like maybe maybe one of those people might be involved in this sabotage. And and Diana floats the idea, maybe we could have somebody uh, you know, uh, join their little beauty contest. And or no, is that Steve's idea? No, I think it was her idea actually. Okay, yeah, and and he and he says, "Well, that's a fine idea, but who are we going to find?" And she's like, "Well, I could do it." And he's like, "No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need someone beautiful." Right. <laughs> oh, I just screamed at that one. <laughs> yeah, because oh. with with her glasses on, of course, she looks horrible. Like it just changes everything. I don't, uh. The glasses and the and the military suit or whatever. He says. Somebody, we need somebody who looks good in a bathing suit. <laughs> so, so uh, she's like, "Yeah, okay." Uh, so I'm gonna so, go shopping, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, and she does. So they have a rehearsal, and you know they kind of show um, what what it's like to be in a beauty contest. I guess you know they're doing a little dance number, and and Francis is the is the actor who's uh running the thing what what's her character's name uh rita? no not rita. rita was the other oh, one oh rita yeah lola? Uh, lola. lola lola flynn so she's like she's trying to get these girls into shape and she's supposed you know of course she's beautiful uh but she's playing somebody who's past her prime right like at least that's what she believes you know so she's like the house mother for all these young you know beauty contestant uh uh beauty pageant contestants and uh you know and and directs their dance numbers but there's also a piano player who i suppose is also the music director and that's that's bobby van and uh, i guess i think his his name is uh Mar monty i was gonna say morty <laughs> it's monty and uh you know he's playing piano for them they're doing this musical number and i should talk about the actors a little bit so Anne francis you know she's oh, a really excited to see her yeah She's a really familiar face. I, I don't know that. I, I mean, I've seen her on the Twilight Zone. Uh, I do remember those episodes, but she's been so she's been everywhere. Yeah. Like I looked at her IMDb page and it's just a long, long list. And there was a show called Honey West where she was like a, a secret agent, like an Emma Peel type. And uh, and she's been she's been working all the way up through. I guess she was in 
uh, a Fantasy Island production uh, in 1998. I know they revived really? that. Yeah, they revived it recently okay. with like a female Rourke, but I don't remember the 1998 version. Mm, me neither. Oh, well, yeah. I guess that says a lot about that. But you were excited to see her. What do you know? How do you know her? Oh, Oh, late night TV when I was a kid. I used to watch all sorts of episodes like that, like Honey West. And I remember her from dancing, actually, because I remember her being a dancer. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. And then I thought, I was like, well, that's that's perfect because all those girls apparently know how to tap dance. It was a skill you had to have in the 40s. Apparently. Uh, I guess. I guess. <laughs> now, and speaking of dancing, so Bobby Van was... Um, he was a dancer singer. Like he 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 was kind of like a triple threat, like uh, you know, like Gene Kelly and and kind of a contemporary, but uh he just never reached that that's yeah. So um, but he did uh let's see, what did he do? He uh as he was sort of you know moving up, he was in Skirts Ahoy with uh, Debbie Reynolds and uh and a a movie version of Kiss Me Kate, where I guess he was showcased pretty well and i rem and i've heard his voice like i i um i know i've heard of him growing up but i you know could never i i just couldn't place him right um, yeah but he was familiar in the credits but i was like i knew ann francis but i was like name sounds familiar and of What's... course van dyke so <laughs> yeah van Patten, van Patten. that's right there are so many vans going on but so um, so anyway, they're they're doing a rehearsal, and um, Linda Carter comes in in this wild cherry dress, like it's got it's got cherries on the in the the pattern, and she's got little cherry epaulets on her shoulders, and a big red hat, and a big <laughs> big red hat, and a wig. I guess her hair is uh, it's kind of so auburn. Yeah, it's kind of auburnish and and uh, like a really high sort of flip. Yeah, it was it was just a really interesting look. I you know, and she's still beautiful, Linda Carter, but it was wild like that. That it was some outfit, and you know she she comes in and wants to audition for the show, which I don't know, man. I I that's that's pretty bold. Like they've gone through. Yeah, they went they, to all the different bases already. Yeah, and they were they were like you know weeding weeding the talent down from like I don't know fifty girls to or fifty women I should say until you know I think there's like 10, 10. 10 to twelve in this one. Right. So you know people have already like tried and failed, and you know been cut, and and now she wants to join it all of a sudden. So uh, fortunately. Both Anne Francis and Dick Van Patten think she's gorgeous, and of course she should be in it because it's Linda Carter. But uh, for some reason, Bobby Van doesn't like her. I like and, his response: "Like, sorry, you missed the boat. You, <laughs> you missed the boat, kid." <laughs> <laughs> you know who else doesn't like her? Rita. Rita. No, Rita. <laughs> Rita is the uh, the bad pageant girl in this mm. episode, and. And she's truly entertaining. Good. It's always nice to make new friends. But there's only going to be one winner in this contest, and you're looking at her. Well, I thought the judges were going to make that decision. Just stay out of my way, sweetheart. I'm going to be Miss G.I. Dream Girl and be in Jack's next movie. And anybody who tries to stop me 
Better watch her step. <laughs> and and let me talk about that actor. Her name is Krista Helm. And you know, she only had four credits before this. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm gonna talk a little bit about this. I, I may cut this out of okay. the edit because it's kind of heavy, but but it was really I was looking up these actors, you know. And this was her last credit after only four jobs. Mm -hmm. She was uh, murdered in wow. 1977. Oh, like wow. Shortly after this episode. Um, and it's and it's an unsolved Hollywood murder. And it, and it made a lot of headlines at the time. And there are still people, you know, I assume her family trying to figure out who did it. Like they still want the case solved. That's terrible. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really kind of a, a very sad and kind of horrible story. Uh, when I was when I was looking up the information, because you know she was she was beautiful and and you know she had she even had uh, one of the parts that she had before this was the lead in a film, so you know she was she was getting some kind of start, and and her career was cut short. Wow. So. So that is unfortunate. And in a way, it, it kind of casts a shadow on on this episode because you you can't, you know, you you can't hate her. Right. Even though, she, even though she's playing this woman you're supposed to hate. I was gonna say I really wanted to scratch her eyes out, but now I feel bad. <laughs> I know, I know. But you know, the 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 good thing is she did her job. Like she was fantastic in this role because you wanted to scratch your eyes. Exactly. Out. She played it well. Yeah. So, so yeah, she's the kind of the, the pageant level nemesis. She's not the real bad guy in the, in the episode. Those are of course the Nazi spies, saboteurs, uh, however you want to call them, but she does provide uh, some, a, a good foil for, uh, for Diana while she's undercover at this, at this, uh, beauty pageant it's you know and it's interesting because like on the level of you know fighting the war and fighting nazis this conflict seems very silly but when you're in the pageant scenes it seems like this is important like she's really in diana's way and and diana is a real threat to her so it's interesting how sort of those different levels of uh intensity play out you know what i mean right right although it's funny like, none of the other contestants felt that way no they, they didn't but i mean i actually i can understand from rita's point of view if if dick van patten's character uh jack wood i think is his name uh is about to do a movie and he may need uh, a co-star or you know a walk-on who could get her big break Everybody should be excited about that. That's that is like, I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, if if you're an aspiring actress, that's a big break, and this pageant could be the way to get there. Exactly. So, so I actually understand her intensity about it, you know, and I and I'm surprised that more of those young women were not a little more competitive because none of them seem to care as right, much. Right, exactly. I'll tell you something. When I was a teenager, I was in the pageant scene. Oh, I guess it went into college too. 
you know, we, we, we were not friends with each other. We weren't friendly. We just eyed each other and like measured each other up and, and kept to ourselves. We weren't all buddy, buddy and nice to each other. And <laughs> so it, it, the, the, I was like, maybe it's a forties thing. <laughs> no, it, it sure wasn't like that when I did pageants. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they seem to be, most of them just seem to be there to entertain the, the troops and, and raise morale. But but Rita was in it to win it. I mean, she she definitely was, she she had you know she had goals, and I respect it. So we find out Rita is a meanie, and driving away from the base, Steve is followed by somebody in a car, and they run him off the road. Luckily, Diana saw him leave, and she's like, "I better keep an eye on Steve." So so Wonder Woman appears. And, you know, she stops the bad guys from from getting away by lifting the car. And there are several scenes throughout the series where she does that, where she lifts a car to keep them from getting away. Mm -hmm. This is an especially good one. There's there was something about the way she was standing, the way she was holding the car, that it looked as real as it could look like she was really and maybe she was like trying to lift up on the car you know, past where it actually was, but it looked like she was really trying and really, and she was centered and grounded and it, it was a good shot. Yeah. That was Arms a good flexed. scene. Yes. Mm -hmm. Keeping her core, you know, it was, it was good. And, and so this gives Steve time to, to come over. She sets down the car and these guys make a run for it. And, and she's like, don't worry, Steve, I got this. And she lassos them and they find out that, uh, they don't, these guys don't even know who they're working for. They were just told, run this guy off the road, and that's it. Yep, so, here's your money. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they find out nothing, and Steve takes them to the authorities and he puts them in the front of his car. Uh, Diana gets to show off again, or, or Wonder Woman does, and push his car out of where it was crashed, and it luckily still works. And, uh, and she and Steve puts them in the front and keeps a gun on them while he gets in the back. And I mean, I guess that's the way to do it. I guess if he were driving, then he wouldn't be able to keep an eye on them. But it seemed strange at the time. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, so uh, back at HQ, Diana is working on her. Uh, I think it, is it deportment? What what is that? Um, posture. Her posture. Her right. Posture. So she's, she's walking, walking with, with a book. book. On her head. <laughs> there I, we go. Oh, perfect. You are demonstrating that that is that is great. <laughs> I can tell you you've you have a history of pageant work. That is awesome. And a flathead. <laughs> oh <laughs> that does help. Okay, so um so she's practicing that and she's got her cherry dress on, and Steve comes in. And luckily, she has her glasses on, so she doesn't look too dazzling. Um, and and Steve's like, "Oh my gosh, Diana, you look great!" But uh, uh, but he doesn't, you know, he's not getting the full effect because her glasses are on. <sighs> the Clark Kent effect. That's right. That's right. So um, she uh, and and he gives her a compliment. Uh, he says she All looks right. like <laughs> she looks like Joan Crawford. Around the ankles. <laughs> uh, I felt uh, that one. 
Oh, yeah, <laughs> devastating. Um, and and the thing is, you know, Wonder Woman does not care about such things. Of course. But, but I think she's falling into the character of Diana because she was a little put off by that remark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was like, thanks a lot. And uh, but but in the meantime, she told Steve what she's up to. And he's like, that's a good idea. Keep keep doing that. And if I call you, I'll, I'll say you're, I'm your Uncle George. So so um, so she goes back to the what amounts to a girl's dormitory, basically. Barracks. Uh, you know, the barracks. Yes. All the all the women from the contest are are, you know, housed in this one barrack. And and Anne Francis has a little adjoining room. Um, with a door so she can have privacy. That scene ju- that came just now really, really stunned me. <laughs> oh, the little, like the fight? No, or- they're waiting in various stages of attire oh. for Rita to come out of the shower. And then the door just opens up. And <laughs> who comes in? Jack Wood. Is- uh, Jack- I know, like. He, he doesn't even in their lingerie <laughs> and they're supposed to be confined. And this guy just walks in and Anne Francis as their chaperone doesn't boot him out because they're showering or about to shower. And no one seems to care. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's really interesting. I, I think if somebody else had played that part, he would have seemed kind of creepy because they gave him, they gave him some really kind of creepy lines to say Oh be- yes, but oh, because yes. it's it's Dick Van Patten, he seems like a nice guy. Like he's the dad for made as a nod. Yeah, right. <laughs> everyone's dad who wants to see them fold themselves up and go into their glove compartment for later <laughs> and stuff <laughs> like that. So yes, unannounced, Dick Van Patten comes in, and and he immediately takes a liking to Diana, who's in her bathrobe. Mm-hmm. As you as you say. Are they treating you girls all right? Oh, yeah. oh, yes. And I wore a rubber shirt so that you could cry on my shoulder. Uh, there's a few personal things I'd like to go over with you. Uh, it won't take long. That's what I'm afraid of, honey. Now, listen, I'd love to get to know you girls better. But if I do, a lot of people will say I'm low and corruptible enough to trade my vote as a contest judge for a little smooching. <laughs> and they're right. Front and center, Diana! Well, well, well. How is it going? Fine, Mr. Wood. And I really don't know how to thank you enough for allowing me to become a contestant. Well, I do. Meet me tonight on the firing range at 12 o'clock. Bring an evening gown and some bananas, because when I monkey around, I use real monkeys. And, you know, they exchange a few words, and he's like, oh, you'd be a great straight man if you weren't so curvy. And uh, and then he, he says, why don't you try... Let me do my magic act and and see, let's see if you can be my partner. And so they do a little magic shtick. And of course, she's great. And Rita is very upset because that was going to be Rita's job. I don't know why Rita thought that was going to be her job, because clearly Dick Van Patten didn't remember that she was supposed to do it. And didn't want her. <laughs> maybe he just did. Maybe he's tired of Rita's attitude. Maybe that's it. He'd oh. already threatened Diana as she was coming off the stage about, you know, this was her pageant to win and yeah. not to make friends. And Diana's like, well, okay then. And yeah. 
And now here she is saying that was my role. I was going to be the assistant. And yeah. And in fact, she, she takes a, she tries to punch her. She's so mad. She tries, she tries to punch her. And Diana, uh, Linda Carter just sort of turns her head just (laughs) enough for the, for the, just enough for the punch to miss. And, and then Rita, you know, because she had such force behind her punch, I guess she like twists herself around and falls. What a shame. She missed. What a, what a, (laughs) what a shame. Sorry, Rita. Uh, But then uncle George calls uh, AKA Steve Trevor. So, um, so Diana has got to go take the call. And basically he says, uh, you know, there's one more element of this scanner thing that's going to require, I I think it's going to be at the power station at Fort Russell. So, which is behind their motor pool, not too far from where Diana is. And I, I don't really understand why there's a part of this assembly at the power station at night, at night. And that's <laughs> like the time that it's there. And so Steve is going to go and see if the saboteurs show up and he tells Diana, you know, keep an eye on everybody there and make sure, you know, see if anything suspicious happens. You know, basically if anybody there leaves to go uh, to the power station and sure enough, uh, after the lights go out, um, Linda Carter, uh, rather than sticking around like Steve told her, uh, she's going to turn into Wonder Woman and and head out there. And she does uh, the first of two Wonder Woman turns in this show. No, I'm sorry. This is the second one already. The first one was when she followed Steve out on the road. Right. But any, anyway, the, the trivia on the IMDb, which may or may not be believed, but I kind of believe it uh after reading it um this was a unique sort of transformation turn because it's the new kind where they've got the light burst which is a fairly new thing the first couple of episodes they did this more dissolve kind of thing okay um but this is where they introduced the light burst but she raises her hands up over her head like yeah, a, she looked very balletic yeah yeah and she doesn't do that later and she didn't do it before so I guess they were just trying it out and somebody said, let's not do that anymore. <laughs> and I don't know why it wasn't terrible, but maybe but, because she was in lingerie when she did it. And if she kept <laughs> her arms out, it showed too much. Maybe <laughs> that might be. So, so she does her transformation. She jumps out the window, uh, does a great wonder woman jump. And, um, and then she she heads over to the power station. Steve's oh, but don't there. Don't forget what she did. She left her wig on the bed and put the sheets so it looked like her wig was asleep in the bed. Right. Yeah, I forgot that. And that comes that comes in later. Um, uh, we're reminded of that when <laughs> when Rita finds her wig, she's like, "Look, she's a phony." And you know, uh, I well, think she one is, of, but <laughs> <laughs> that's true. She is. You know, Rita's onto something. At, as much as we don't like Rita, she's she's absolutely right. When she she's a, <laughs> she, she's a smart cookie. Uh, oh, so sproinging so, off to find Steve at the power plant thing, right? And um, and Steve's there. He's like sneaking around, and poor Steve. I I guess <laughs> it, it's not his forte to uh, come up on somebody. Or be a vigilant sort of lookout because he's immediately this other person sneaks up on him 
and and knocks him in the head. Yet he got Un- to be a major. Yes, yes. So, um, so he's knocked out, and the uh, saboteur, whoever it is, it's somebody in a ski mask or a hood of some kind. Uh, you can't see who it is. Um, they trigger a bomb that's already been set there, and and then they're they're about to go one direction and here comes wonder woman so they go in another direction and wonder woman has to decide she looks around she can chase the person she can take care of this bomb or she can help steve uh because if she um if she goes after the saboteur then this thing will blow up and steve could get hurt Mm -hmm. and the uh the the assembly that they're or the whatever the thing is that they're trying to protect uh which i can never keep track of what what is it uh it's a power plant or something or the radar the radar scanner at the power plant the radar scanner at the power plant is the last in the assembly chain location I, i don't anyway um somehow what her her solution is she lets the saboteur go she grabs the tailgate from a truck and uses it to shield steve from the blast of the of the uh bomb right which i guess is the smart thing to do i feel like she could have just grabbed the bomb and thrown it someplace why is she gonna just toss it in the air yeah just way up in the air and it would have blown up and not hurt anything but uh wonder woman knows better than we do apparently mm-hmm. so, so she she decided it absolutely she had to make sure that nobody got hurt especially steve so number one priority protect life and so she shields him and and apparently in doing so shields the radar scanner which is i don't know where it is they never say <laughs> but uh because she deflected the blast it only hurt some electrical equipment and the radar assembly is still okay. Yay! You would think for such an important thing that they've been building that there would be some sort of guard set up there to protect it. Yes, you would think that. <laughs> but, you know, so much of this stuff is like, you know, it's top secret. We didn't want to tell anybody. You know, later on, the general's like, yeah, this is top secret. I didn't even want to tell you, Steve. And, you know, it, they're going to top secret themselves out of business if they don't you know, they don't tell their good people what's happening. But, you know, luckily, Wonder Woman is there to save the day. All right. So Wonder Woman saves Steve once again. But she has to get back to the, um, you know, to the dorm because the explosion woke up all the women there. And they're but like, what's going on? on? What's that? <laughs> but nobody else on base. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. There's like, you know, they're on a military base and. Nobody cares except these women. They're like, what's going on? So the women are all awake. And of course, Rita's like, where's Diana? Mm-hmm. She's, you know, if you're looking for somebody suspicious, there's your girl, you know, because where is she? And then she waves around the wig. You know, she's like, she's not who she says she is. Right. And, and we forgot that that the guy, Monty, had already determined that there was no one named Diana Paradise on the base. That's right. I did. I did. See, 
in my effort to try to be faster going through these episodes, I skipped a few of the small scenes, but you're absolutely right. He's been like, he's been on Diana's case this whole time. He doesn't like her. He doesn't want her to be part of the pageant. And, and yeah, he looked at, he, he found out that she's, there's no Diana paradise that's working there, which is a terrible name, by the way, poor, poor, poor Diana. Well, you know, didn't she comes in, expecting to go undercover and didn't think to make up a name for herself. Right. So, mm. so he has worse. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, she makes it up on the spot and she's like, ah, Diana, uh, uh, paradise. <laughs> Great. Luckily, uh, you know, wonder woman's very smart. And so she, when she sneaks back in, she goes directly to the bathroom so that she can just emerge and say, Oh, I was taking a shower. No problem. Uh, yeah, and Francis didn't even think of looking in the shower. I know nobody, nobody thought maybe she's in the bathroom or the shower. You know why? She's just gone, and her she's got a wig here. So anyway, problem solved. And Francis goes back to bed, and Monty shows up, and of course, dun dun dun! Spoiler alert: he's the saboteur, right? Mm-hmm. And and Francis is in on it. Because yeah, that, come... that threw me. I was like, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, I think they did a nice job, you know, sort of keeping her ambiguous, you know, like it was pretty easy to suspect Monty, but the fact that sh- she's in on it, um, that was a surprise. The first, I remember that the first time I saw this one, I, I thought, and Francis, she's so nice. Right. She, she really likes Diana. You know, she's she says that she reminds her of herself when she was younger, you know, which is really sweet. Diana? Yes. Huh. I was going to wish you luck, but I don't think you're going to need it. You remind me kind of of myself a few centuries ago. It's unfair to judge yourself by the criterion of age. A vital, intelligent woman is much more than the sum of her birthdays. Yeah, well, maybe it'll be that way for you. But for me... My high point was when I was 19 and I was Miss American Beauty. <laughs> From then on, it was downhill all the way. Remember, three o'clock. And she kept putting herself down for her age. And then Monty puts her down and says, like, don't worry about stretching your wrinkled neck or something like that. I know. Oh, my gosh. I wrote that quote down. It was so horrible. I, I was like, That's what a terrible thing to say. <sighs> so, yeah, he says that to her later because she's she's trying to, you know, she's trying to, like, you know, call him off and cause he's ready to kill Diana. And, and he's like, listen, you're, you're, you're in on this. So don't, don't tell me what to do. And yeah, he uses that terrible insult. Oh, I hate Monty. I hate him. She's not <laughs> even, I mean, to me, she looks like she's maybe in her forties. Yeah. Well, maybe? she's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't equate beauty with age. I shouldn't be doing that. But I mean, she, she looks wonderful. You know, there's, there's, there's no, there is no call to, uh, to bring her age into this situation. Except Diana that, even says that too. A vital, intelligent woman is much more than the sum of her years. Yes, absolutely. So I wrote that one down. That's a good one. <laughs> that is a good quote. Absolutely. Yeah. She, and every now and then, um, you know, Diana says these incredibly wise things that sort of take people off guard, you know, like, uh, you know, somebody so beautiful is not supposed to be so wise or intelligent, you know? 
And I was I mean, like, that, oh, yeah, she came from the Greek God. So, yeah, she should be kind of intelligent. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so anyway, uh, Monty follows Anne Francis into her room. And, you know, then we find out that he's definitely the saboteur and she's in on it. And he goes and, and spills the beans. Like this whole business about the radar scanner thing is just a ruse. What they're really after is to assassinate General Eisenhower. Bum, bum, bum. Unbelievable. Really? The nerve. How dare they? <laughs> How dare they? So so they've got big plans, these saboteurs, these spies. Right. And, and General Eisenhower just happens to be near Fort Russell in the middle of World War II. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and this is what the general didn't want to tell Steve. Like, he wasn't going to tell him that this radar assembly thing was going to be inspected by one of their top generals, General Eisenhower. And and the reason that comes up and the reason that Steve catches it is because Steve, now that Wonder Woman has foiled this last attempt, Steve is sort of looking back at all these little sabotage attacks. And he's like, this is too easy. Like none of these attacks uh, succeeded. You know, they were all near misses. Nobody especially this last one like nobody would get that close to the uh the the radar scanner or whatever it is the device and the device and fail yet again like it's almost as though that bomb was never meant to hurt the equipment at all and so he's like something else is going on and that's when the general comes in and says oh by the way eisenhower is coming <laughs> and and so he says how general is eisenhower getting here and he's like well he's gonna go through this route and he's like and steve says no he can't go that route because that was the first like sabotage attack and then the general says oh well he's going through this cave and etta candy you know he, she's she's like smarter than the general at this point she's like uh no that that cave blew up you know, at the beginning of the episode. So, um, so anyway, the general finally gets hip to the fact that all these sabotage attacks have forced Eisenhower to take one specific route into uh, this. Oh, I keep forgetting it. Fort Russell. Fort Russell. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, so now they know. They know where Eisenhower is going to be going. They know that Eisenhower's who the saboteurs are after. And so now they've got to let Eisenhower know he's in the air. They can't get, they can't tell him. They don't apparently have radio communication. Although Etta can call the car, the guys in the car can't call Eisenhower. I don't, <laughs> I think, you know, there were maybe some holes in our military procedures at the time. Oh my goodness. Were there ever. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so anyway, and that's, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll buy it. You know, they can't get a hold of him. He's in the air. Um, and they've, they they do try to get to the airport because the, the saboteurs did, I think they forced them to use a, a civilian airport instead of a, a military one. So anyway, so they're racing to get Eisenhower and they tell Etta, go get Diana and tell her what's going on. 
I'm not sure why, because now that they know the plan, I don't know why they need Diana, but obviously for the purposes of the plot, we have to get word to Wonder Woman, right? I guess. I mean, so so why anyway. Is it so important for her to be notified of that? I mean, it's not like she could do anything if she was just plain old Diana Prince. Exactly. But, you know, mm-hmm. Steve's instinct is to keep Diana informed. Maybe, maybe she's sort of hypnotically convincing him over time that he should keep her informed of everything because because whether he admits it or knows it or not diana's the one that figures this stuff out and she kind of lets him think he's figuring it out you know like the uh at the beginning of the episode they seem to sort of think of it at the same time but she's the one who says it first that that all these sabotage incidents happened in the same order as this traveling beauty pageant right so you know i think he knows subconsciously that she's the brains of the outfit so so he needs to keep her informed so anyway so etta goes over to the uh theater and in the meantime the girls are getting ready for the show oh first she tries to call she just tries to call but monty's there and you know he just hangs up on her and so so yeah, I know. Rude son of a gun. So Diana never gets the call. In the meantime, by the way, he's looking at the stage rigging and the guy who's hoisting up the stage rigging, or actually he's bringing it down from the from the grid, from the rafters. He says, uh, careful now, this is really heavy. It could kill somebody. And that mm. sort of echoes in Monty's brain. It could kill somebody. It could kill somebody. And so he's like looking at it and thinking about Diana. He's like, I know how to solve a problem like Diana. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, do something with this stage rigging that is dangerous enough to kill somebody. To kill this poor late, late coming beauty pageant contestant who's done nothing to him. That's right. So Etta, Etta tells Steve that she he could she couldn't get a hold of Diana, and and she starts, you know, I, I guess. Etta at this point is supposed to be like a stereotypical female. Like she's supposed to like satisfy, I guess, satisfy the part of the audience that might not understand that Diana is strong and wise and intelligent. And, and so Etta sort of fills that void of a very stereotypical woman who like uh you know in the, in another episode she's like oh i wish a man were here and you know and now she's falling apart and getting emotional and the general has to say listen etta pull yourself together go tell diana you know go do it right and she's like okay i'll pull myself together i won't be so emotional and i don't know there's just something yeah. a little weird about that scene that i don't know if i I, I don't want to be offended by it. You know, I mean, it's just a product of its time, but it's, it's, exactly. it's so strange. And I kind of feel sorry for the actor that plays Etta because she's constantly having to do that stuff. Uh, it's demeaning, but it filled a niche for that was necessary. Exactly. Okay. So the pageant actually opens and Jack Wood, AKA Dick Van Patten opens it up with this horrible song. <laughs> I I uh, I wanted to write down the lyrics. Uh, I'm not sure you can. I'm not sure you can hear them because there's a lot of applause when you know each each lady comes out 
in succession and people applaud for them. Um, and he's singing, you know, the, the whole, there she is Miss America, except it's for Miss GI dream girl. And, and I don't know, I think Dick Van Patten is probably a better singer than what he was doing on purpose for this Mm -hmm. role, which I think is brilliant, but it was, it was like, typically I it's, it just was such an awful song. I, I want to, I want to isolate that song and get it on a playlist because it's, it's delightfully bad. too busy staring at all the different bathing suits <laughs> I, I know they they kicked right off with the base bathing suit competition and everyone's wearing their lovely one-piece bathing suit rita's was bright gold yeah rita had this gold lame thing and she also did this really sassy like everybody was including linda carter you know everybody was smiling a big smile like i'm the girl next door and rita comes out like a vamp and she's you know? looking at the audience and yeah, yeah. acting it all up. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, she's a gal who is going to get what she wants, whether you like it or not. So they go from the swimsuit portion to the talent portion. And and Betty Lou, I remember the name because I wrote it down. I didn't, I didn't remember it. I wrote it down. Um, she's one of the, I was looking up, you know, trying to, uh, you know, find out if there were any sort of standout uh, actors that played all these different contestants. And, um, you know, they're, they're all, you know, actors who've done all these smaller roles. N- none of them, you know, ec- except for, unfortunately, uh, Krista Helm, you know, with, with her very sad story, uh, none of the others really stood out except for two of them. And one of them is Betty Lou, who does this contortion thing. And I guess that's her, that's like her deal. Like in, in all the parts that she played, half of them say contortionist or sideshow person or whatever. Like Mm that's, that was her, that was her claim to fame. And she, um, she appeared on laughing family matters, big top peewee. And Malcolm in the middle. And she was a stunt person or listed as a stunt person, it was probably for a contortion thing, in Blazing Saddles. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sure. And and I will tell you, the only other uh, contestant that sort of jumped out at me in terms of previous credits was somebody named Rosalie in the show. The, the actor's name is Derna Wild, and she didn't have a lot of credits, but one of them was... Uh, for a show called Partners in Crime, which was uh, a one-season show that Linda Carter did with oh. Lonnie Anderson in the early '80s. Really? Yeah. So, so she got so she got two Linda Carter show credits 
Um, and and I forgot. I'm sorry, I didn't mention the uh, the name of the lady who is the contortionist. That is April Tatro. So there's your trivia for for these wonderful contestants. Um, so so we're on the talent portion. We get our contortionist. In the meantime, uh, Etta has shown up, but she can't get past the backstage door because this dude is like, I'm sorry, you know. Finally. Somebody is actually, you know, like enforcing some security. Right. Here. Like forget the sonar, but the pageant got to protect the girls. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, so he keeps her from from uh, getting on stage. And in the meantime, Diana's like, where's my costume for the magic act? And and Van, uh, I mean, Bobby Van. Uh, Monty is disappearing backstage and Anne Francis knows that he's up to no good uh, because she realized during an earlier conversation, as he was looking at that stage rigging, like he was looking at a delicious steak or something, you know, she's like, you're not going to drop that on, on Diana, are you? And he's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> It'll be fast. Yeah. And so, um, so anyway, Diana's, doesn't have her costume and it's because Rita you know she's got her eyes on the prize she's like she's has stolen uh the costume for the magic act and she's going to go out and take Diana's place so she does that she bum rushes past Diana and gets on stage with Dick Van Patten and Dick Van Patten for such a you know he's supposed to be this great celebrity comedian he's so shocked that it's not Diana He's got this look of shock on his face that won't go away. He's like, oh, hi, Rita. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, Anne Francis tries to, to stop Monty from, from uh, you know, killing Diana with stage rigging. And he's like, hey, listen, I got to do what I got to do. Like, he, she doesn't even have time to say, Diana's not even on stage. That's somebody else. You know, she doesn't have time to say that because he grabs her. He grabs Anne Francis and puts her in one of those ma magician's closets. One of the vanishing cabinets. Yeah. <laughs> and he slaps it and poof. <laughs> And she's gone. And I don't know that that's how that works. I mean, I think the person inside has to know what to do. And then we don't really see her for the rest of the whole thing because she vanished. <laughs> that's right. I That is a very good point. Like, I, she never appears again. He may have really made her disappear. Uh, they do talk about her at the end. But, uh, but anyway, he runs up there. He takes his knife and you know, cuts the rope when he could just untie it. I don't know why, you know, he's, it's got, it's more theatrical to cut the thing. And, and of course, poor Rita is right there where the thing's going to land. And Diana sees um, what's happening and she turns into Wonder Woman. And I guess maybe this is the second spin. I, 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 I didn't think we saw the spin in the, the first one. So this is the second spin where she does the more balletic thing, but um but anyway, she turns into Wonder Woman, and just in time, she gets on stage and catches that giant, you know, stage rig assembly that is about to drop on poor unsuspecting Rita, who's who's a bad person, but we understand why. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, she's 
She may be bad, but she doesn't deserve to have stage rigging smash her. Well, I guess that's true. I hope that's not what happened to her in real life. That would be awful. No, no. What what happened to her in real life was was uh, worse. It oh was, dear. Yeah, it was. I mean, you know. Apparently, they think one of the theories uh, is that it may have been the same person who murdered Sal Minio. And I don't know much beyond that because I didn't go down that rabbit hole. I mean, there, there's so much to see in terms of, you know, what happened to her, what all the theories are. But, um, but yeah, it may be connected to Sal Minio's death as well. It's like Hollywood Babylon. It is. Absolutely. I mean, there was something going on during that time. And uh, anyway, uh, but but we're back in pageant land, which is much, much happier because <laughs> nothing bad happens to Rita, you know, except that, you know, she gets a little bit of humble pie because her life is saved. And by the way, nobody talks about the fact that that Dick Van Patten was in danger as well. I mean, he was there too. The thing would have fallen on him just as, you know, it was it was very large, so it would have it would have killed them both. But anyway, Wonder Woman saves the day, so no problem. And then she finds out from Etta that that's that Eisenhower is the real target and Steve is trying to get to him. And in the meantime, Monty ran out of the building. And he takes a star-spangled jeep and drives uh, straight out to to get to Eisenhower as well. So Steve, I guess all the musical numbers were done then. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. I who was you're right. Who's playing piano for the final number? We don't we don't really get to find that out. I mean, I guess that's one of the mysteries. Like what happened to Anne Francis? <sighs> because there's a song that comes up later. I don't, right. I don't. I don't want to give away who wins the pageant, but. Uh, there's but, music but there's music and, <laughs> and monty's not there he must have an assistant hmm. maybe maybe there's a backup person i don't know With all those, that's right with all those <laughs> gis so anyway um so everyone's headed towards eisenhower right now in the meantime uh what's happened at, at, they call it point lobo which is very military sounding i like it um this is the the place where eisenhower has to drive through and there's like a there's some kind of blockhouse there and there were guards there and these saboteur people, uh, I guess they're spies. I don't know what you want to call them, but um, they gas them. And so they're incapacitated. And now the spies have weapons right there at, at Point Lobo. And Eisenhower's on his way. Steve and the general are chasing him. And when Eisenhower's driver realizes they're being chased, he speeds up. So Steve's like, oh my gosh, they're going faster. They think we're trying to, they think we're, we're trying to harm them. And so Steve beeps at him in Morris code. Uh, and, and the driver figures it out like, oh, it's, it's Steve Trevor. Like of all the things that Steve could, could tap it's out, lesson, right? Trevor spells out his name. <laughs> like everybody should know who I am. Everyone knows Steve Trevor. They don't know who we are. That's Morse code, General. T 
I mean, I would have Morse coded something different, like danger, SOS, or explosion. I don't know something. Danger would have been a good one. Mm. Yes, it's it's five letters, no, six letters, right? It's not that hard. SOS is, you know, it's easier and quicker, but it doesn't. It's not as, uh, it's not as scary as danger. Like mm. danger is a pretty clear word. I think that's better than Trevor. Yeah, Trevor. <laughs> Everyone knows Steve Trevor. <laughs> anyway, but uh regardless, it stops the it stops the general uh the Eisenhower's driver um just before they get to the Point Lobo blockhouse. And so you know, they get out of their cars and and say, "Well, you know, we we've been trying to tell you, you're in danger." And and they, you know, they say, thank goodness we stopped you in time or whatever it is they say. And but it wasn't in time because they're close enough to the blockhouse where they start shooting like something explodes. I don't know why the thing exploded. Maybe they had preset a bomb to keep them from retreating or something. But something explodes near them and then the guys start shooting. So they're definitely in danger. And Steve says, you know, we we can't fight our way out, but maybe maybe they'll you know, we'll find some luck or something like that. And sure enough, Wonder Woman shows up. Thank what goodness. Luck? What luck? <laughs> now that's luck. So uh so Wonder Woman, you know, dispatches these uh uh these guard fellows with a giant I, it was like a, a telephone pole or something. She grabbed yeah, because like when a, when the thing exploded, the pole fell down. So she oh, picked up right. the pole to throw at them. Yeah, yeah. So so she throws a pole, gets rid of those guys. But uh, Bobby Van, uh, Monty, is not to be deterred. He shows up and he's like, uh, I'm going to finish my job. So he gets a bazooka and he's just going to blow everyone up. So he takes the bazooka, fires one shot, and it goes past them. He fires another shot. Wonder Woman runs closer and she catches the shell and whips it back at him. <laughs> and he runs for his life. And so she saves the day. I think that's that's all that happens, right? That's yeah. Yeah, she caught oh, him with the lasso. And yeah, I think right. didn't she hand it to Steve? <laughs> yeah, she she handed it to Steve either this time or with the the guys who ran him off the road. And I I, I remember the vision of like Steve walking with the that little lasso and thought, okay, pal, that's not your that's not your uh, weapon there. That's that's Wonder Woman's. That's like a sacred, like mythological artifact. And here you go, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. She's I, I don't know. She she needs to guard her possessions more closely. She's always losing a bracelet or a, a the lasso or something. So anyway, then they, we go back to the uh, the pageant. And guess who wins the contest, the beauty contest? You can say I, it. I was surprised by that myself. <laughs> it's Wonder Woman. It's Wonder Woman. <laughs> she wins. And of course, she's the most deserving. And and off stage, the general, Steve, and Etta Candy are like, where's Diana? And you know, once again, it's just one of those one of the many times that it's so incredibly obvious. That, that that Wonder Woman must be Diana Prince, mm -hmm. and 
somebody usually Steve comes up with some goofy reason that Diana's not there. You know, oh well, once she found out that Wonder Woman was in the running, of course she would, you know, quit the contest. <laughs> and I was like, why didn't any of the other con- like contest chaperones or organizers realize one of our contestants is missing? We should search for her instead of all, let's just go on with the pageant and don't care <laughs> where she went. I mean, I understand Dick Van Patten's sort of theatrical sensibility that the show must go on. But but you're right. Nobody connected with the pageant. Nobody else is like, you know, we lost our piano player. A contestant has disappeared. And where's Anne Francis? Like, <laughs> everybody's gone. And somehow the show manages to continue. And, and then Wonder Woman wins. Like, it must have been for everybody involved the weirdest pageant they they'd ever been in <laughs> but at least she shared her flowers with all the other contestants that's right because to her everybody's a winner and even rita is actually nice yeah so there's a little epilogue you know we're back in the office steve says you know everything's great and they talk a little bit about aunt francis like you know Diana has a soft spot for her and hopes that things go well for her. And and Steve agrees. So, you know, we hope that she doesn't get uh, as severe a punishment as, as Monty, who deserves a punishment. The radar scanner is already a smashing success. And General Eisenhower has nominated Wonder Woman for a special citation. What about Lola Flynn? I feel rather sorry for her. Her cooperation is being considered in her favor. But espionage during wartime is still a very serious offense. But Jack Wood's trying to get her leniency. He's a hard man to say no to. Oh, Rita will not get a punishment, and that's okay. And then we we end with, you know, Diana's uh, trademark smile. Usually it's Diana at the end uh, in most episodes giving a smile, but sometimes it's uh, Wonder Woman. And that's the end of the show. So. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, like, what, what overall, what, how did you feel about this episode? Well, you know, it was really a pleasure to watch it because I haven't watched Linda Carter with Wonder Woman show since, gosh, decades, to be honest. It's the wow. first time I've watched it since I went off to college. Mm-hmm. So it was really fun to sit down and watch it again. And I didn't realize how campy it was. Yeah. But it was so much fun fun and I, I it was such a pleasure I actually right after the show I went to Amazon and I added the blu-ray set to my wish list so I can watch more good good yeah it's I mean I've I've got the blu-ray set and it's it's wonderful and in the the pilot episode um Linda Carter and uh Douglas Kramer who who produced the whole thing um they do um you know they do a oh what do you call it when they a commentary Okay. They do a commentary for the whole uh, pilot episode, and it's it's full of great information. You know, it's really yeah, Linda Carter has a lot of uh, great rec- recollections of of you know what happened during that that first shoot. Well, here's hoping someone kind remembers me on Mother's Day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell me then. Since you, it's been so long since you watched the show, um, what was it that got you into cosplaying Wonder Woman? Oh, my. Well, gosh, 
Uh, I grew up watching Wonder Woman. My mother and I would watch it together. And then Saturday morning, I'd watch Super Friends with Wonder Woman and all, you know, the, whatever those twins were. Wonder Twin Powers activate those. Yes. Guys. Yeah. And I just loved Wonder Woman. I started reading the comics and she was always my number one superhero. And when I started cosplaying, I, I first started with Star Trek and then I went to Indiana Jones, did Shira. And then I went more Disney with Kim Possible. And then I was like, I don't have a superhero. And so, of course, I had to go to the one that was always my number one. So I started doing Wonder Woman. So what what are the situations? I mean, is it mostly like, um, do you do it as a sort of modeling thing or do you go to cons or uh, like what what's the main activity, I guess, that that sort of drives your cosplay? Oh, there's so much. Um, I actually have a separate account, Ann Arbor Wonder Woman. Um, actually, it's A2MI Wonder Woman. And that is where I keep all my Wonder Woman photos. And that's where people can find me, event organizers and um, local charities. Um, I've done charity work. Uh, most recent, I did something with the Autism Alliance of Michigan. I was one of the guests at their during their hero walk, greeting the families that were going by. Um, this past weekend, I was Wonder Woman at a comic and anime expo near Detroit. And I I've sung the national anthem at events. I have greeted people at five and ten Ks. And um, it's just been lots of fun because people just really identify with Wonder Woman as um, powerful, strong, self-assured, and really something that they want to achieve to be like. I don't know how many women, adult women, come up to me and want to hug me and tell me that she was their hero and they she was inspired inspiring to them. I mean, I get lots of little girls and I even got a couple little boys this weekend who wanted to show me their power stances, but it's usually the adult women who, who talk to me the most about it. So Wonder Woman has her own separate identity in my cosplay universe, I guess you'd call it. I'm wondering if there are instances or events or, you know, meetings that you've had that, that stick out in your memory um in term you know while you were cosplaying some some wonderful thing happened that that you you remember is there anything like that oh there have been plenty as heavens knows i've been cosplaying for actively for 21 years now <laughs> uh gosh not necessarily as wonder woman that i've had celebrities come up to me who are voice actors in shows that I was cosplaying from asking to take pictures with me. Wow. Um, there's a, there's a wonderfully talented voice actress named Samantha Ireland, who is very talented, does many, many shows, but she does a character named Nora on a show called Ruby. And I was cosplaying the evil character Salem from that show. And she ran up to me and wanted to take a picture. And I was just so flattered that she actually wanted to take a picture with lowly little me. That was just wonderful. Awesome. I love interacting with the voice actors. They're really the unsung heroes. They're they're not as prominent as people who are actually on screen. And they are so talented. So every time I go to a con, I always try to meet up with at least one or two of them. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now, do you do you build your own cosplay? Um, at this point in time, I would say I make about 50% of my cosplays. Mm-hmm. I I know that there are people out there who feel that you're not a true cosplayer if you don't make your own cosplay. But the truth is, not everyone has the 
skill, the time, the money, the, uh, the, the wish to be able to sit themselves down and build a cosplay because it takes a lot of planning, a lot of gathering of, of, of the, the staples to build it. And then you've got to like put it all together and attempt to do your best at it. And, you know, many of us have lots of different jobs, but we also want to enjoy this hobby. So I personally have no problem if you go into your closet and pull a cosplay together, if you have someone make it for you, if you buy it in a store or from an online shop, or if you make it yourself, as long as you are happy representing a character or a fandom, then that's fine with me. Are there things are there things about doing cosplay that that you didn't expect at all and kind of surprised you? I've learned a lot. I when I started cosplaying, oh my gosh. Uh well, my very first cosplay was as uh, a member of the science crew of the Enterprise. And that involved wearing just wearing black pants. And I went to a store called Two Guys, which is long out of business. I bought myself a blue shirt that was similar to it, took a black marker and colored it in as the, the V-neck. And that was my that was my costume. <laughs> uh, but since then, I've actually learned to sew. And uh, you can't really see this. Back here is a serger. For oh, wow. Proper okay. finishes. And then over here, ah, as I kill that, this is my actual sewing machine here. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've become pretty adept at sewing. I'm, I'm I'm surprised because it was not something that I enjoyed as a kid. Sewing buttons was about the most that I got, and you know, and and then and still now I will still tangle the thread and get it all knotted. But as long as I'm with a machine, I seem to be all right. But um, I've actually gotten to where like I I'm the person who fixes things around the house now and. Oh, my kid's torn his pajamas. Let me fix that. Oh, the tablecloth edge is unhemmed. Let me fix that. And I I have cosplay to thank for that. <laughs> I actually learned to sew at a panel at a con. There was a sewing 101 and I attended it and I asked all sorts of questions and probably made a nuisance of myself. But um, <laughs> that was in 2019. And here I am making gowns and clothes for my children. So um, it was a that was a panel that will always stick in my life. I've also learned how to style wigs. <laughs> oh wow! My hair, my hair, it hasn't changed since high since high school, but I can style a wig. Um, I usually do demonstrations. Sometimes at this past this past weekend, I styled three or four different wigs while doing the course. And there were people who were joking, you should style my hair next. And I don't know how well I would do with actual human hair. <laughs> but I can style a wig. If if there's one thing that you could point to, and you may have already answered this, what what is it what is it that you absolutely love about cosplay? Oh, I love the challenge of being able to see a character from a fandom that means a lot to me, and then somehow whether it's through my own sewing and crafting skills or from pulling pieces together that I see at stores or on Amazon and trying to make myself turn into that character as much as possible to match that character, to be as close to them as possible. And if I succeed at that and people come up to me and they're very excited that I'm that character, that makes me happy because 
they've smiled. They think that what I've done is great and it's brought some happiness to them. So that that's what makes me happy about it. Now, what and and what inspires you about the character Wonder Woman? What specifically are the things about either being that character or seeing that character that inspires you? Well, she's so inspirational. Even from when she debuted in the 40s, she was always someone who operated in man's world and didn't have a problem with that. And she was just as strong. She was just as determined. She was just as intelligent, as powerful. I mean, yes, she got plenty of gifts from the gods, but she made herself what she was. She didn't care that she wasn't supposed to be competing to be able to be the representative to go to man's world. She knew that she had to do this not just for herself, but for mankind. And from there, she manages to not only defend the innocent and protect those that need help, including Steve, many, many times. Um, But, I mean, over the years, she stood up against tyranny. Uh, She stood up against evil governments. She's even encountered evil versions of other superheroes that she's battled or brought like Supergirl, she brought Supergirl back from being dark Supergirl. She was the only one that could resist that character. She's just so strong and determined, and she's got a force of belief behind her. And I mean, I would think that any woman would want to be Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. And and after after so many years have passed since you've watched Linda Carter's Wonder Woman, uh, now that you've seen an episode again, uh, is there is there something about Linda Carter that that sort of stirs that in you? What what do you think of seeing her as Wonder Woman? Well, she she was always very inspirational. When I was little, I thought she was just beautiful and strong. I mean, obviously they weren't real cars and things like that. <laughs> but I didn't understand that then. Um, and, and she has such sincerity in her acting, and and yet there's always underlying humor. And not just in Wonder Woman, um, a movie called Sky High. Uh, oh, she yeah. played Principal Powers, and she was just a riot as being the strict disciplinarian who tries to help the bad guys. But she says, what do you expect? I'm not Wonder Woman. And it's just such a great line. <laughs> so she and, and she does so much going around and speaking around the country. And there's so many women who cosplay Wonder Woman who've just loved the chance to actually just meet her. And I hope to be that someday. Yeah. All right. Well, um, where would you direct people uh, to follow you on social media? Uh, well, my main cosplay account is AMH Cosplays. Make sure there's an S because there is some other AMH cosplay out there. I don't know why, (laughs) but it's me, AMH Cosplays. And that's me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, Instagram is my main presence. Um, I'm slacking in my YouTube area. Um, (laughs) If they're more interested in following me as Wonder Woman, I am the letter A and then two, M-I for Ann Arbor because those are two A's, A2MI, Wonder Woman, all one word. And that, again, is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. This has been lots of fun. Awesome. And I'm so excited uh, to have been able to watch the show again. I want to go back and watch some more. Yes, please do. It's great. It's great. I, I can't recommend it highly enough. 
Oh, well, hopefully I'll be able to have the, that lovely you know, Blu-ray set soon. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again to the delightful AMH Cosplays. Be sure and look her up on Instagram. She's got a link tree there with all her social links. And, of course, you can find her Instagram link on our show notes, along with a link to find more information on what happened to actress Krista Helm. All those show notes are at our website, wonderwomanwednesdays.com. And we also have links to some of my favorite classic TV podcasts. If you crave more, check out MASHcast, MASH Matters, Bookum Dano, Eventually Supertrain, and Made for TV Mayhem, which is also the home of Trapcast, an occasional but brilliant trip into Trapper John MD by the one and only Amanda Reyes. And if you need more Wonder Woman, you must listen to Satin Tights, a Wonder Woman podcast. If you are a Wonder Woman cosplayer and would like to appear as my guest, please do contact me. I would love to hear from you. My friends, wherever you are in this crazy, glorious world, please be kind whenever possible. It is always possible. I still don't understand what happened to Diana, Steve. She was supposed to be in the beauty contest. Well, it's simple, Adam. When she found out she'd have to share the stage with Wonder Woman, poor kid probably threw in the sponge. <laughs> ah, but what woman wouldn't? Wonder Woman is just too much. <laughs>